Chapter 7 of The Exploits of Juve by Marcella Lane and Pierre Suvestra. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7 A Revolver Shot. Dr. Patel's division presented an unusually animated appearance that afternoon. Not only were the patients allowed to receive visitors, but quite a number of strange doctors had spent the day going from bed to bed, notebooks in hand, studying the patients and their temperature charts. The nurses hesitated to call these individuals doctors, and the patients, too, seemed aware of their true status. Whispers were hushed, and all eyes turned toward the far end of the ward. There, in a bed set slightly apart, and near the house staff's quarters, lay Josephine, a prey to a racking fever and breathing with difficulty. Exactly opposite her was the bed of an old woman who had been admitted that morning, her face had almost entirely disappeared under voluminous bandages. As the ward clock struck a quarter to three, an attendant appeared and announced, In ten minutes visitors will be requested to leave. Two of the staff, who had paced the ward since early in the day, exchanged a smile. Here's the end of the farce, remarked one. Lupart isn't coming. He said three. There are still thirteen minutes left, replied the other. Well, Every precaution is taken. Precautions are of no use with men like Lupart. Eleven minutes left. What the devil could happen? There is no longer admission to the hospital. The visitors are leaving. Three minutes. Look here. You'll end by making me think... Two minutes. Well, own yourself beaten. One minute. Bang! Bang! Two shots from a revolver suddenly startled the silent ward. There was a moment's consternation and uproar. The patients leaped from their beds and sought refuge in the corners of the ward, while the two house surgeons and the policemen, passing as doctors, rushed in a body towards Josephine's bed. Doors slammed. People came hurrying from all quarters. Above the hubbub rose a calm voice. What the devil? Here I am drenched. What does that mean? The house surgeon reached the bed where the hopeless Josephine lay white as a corpse, motionless. A large red blood stain was spreading on her sheet. Quickly the doctor uncovered the wounded woman and examined her. Fainted! She has only fainted! And silencing all comments, he called, Monsieur Juve! Monsieur Juve! The old woman, who a few minutes before had been dozing, now quickly sprang out of bed and, tearing off her bandages, revealed the placid features of Detective Juve. "'I understand everything except that I'm drenched to the bones,' declared Juve, as he crossed to Josephine's bed, oblivious to the amazement his appearance caused. "'That's easily explained,' said the house surgeon. The girl was lying on a rubber mattress filled with water. One of the bullets punctured it. "'What damage did she receive?' "'A contusion on the shoulder. Murder aimed badly owing to her recumbent position.' Juve beckoned to the officers. Your report. You see nothing? Nothing. That's strange, declared the detective. I kept an eye on Josephine myself, thinking that a movement on her part would betray the entrance of Lupart. She made no sign. But however Lupart may have got in, he can't get out without falling into a trap. I have fifty men posted round the building. Now the first point to clear up is the exact place from where the shot was fired. How can we get at that? Very simply by drawing an imaginary line between the spot where the bullet struck the mattress and where it went into the floor. Extend this line, and we find the quarter from where the shot was fired. A doctor came forward. 
Monsieur Juve, he said, that would bring us to the door of the staff's room. Ah, it's you, Dr. Shallock. I'm glad to see you. You are quite right in your surmise. Do you see any objection to my reasoning? I do. I came into the ward barely two seconds before the firing. No one was behind me, and no one was walking with me. Juve crossed to the door. It is from here that the shots were fired. And the detective added triumphantly, as he stooped and picked up an object from the floor, and this backs up my assertion. He held out a revolver, still loaded in four chambers. A precious bit of evidence. He turned to the doctor. Can a stranger get into the wards by this door? Utterly impossible, Monsieur Juve. Only those thoroughly familiar with Lerboisier can get into the ward through the laboratory. You must pass through the surgical divisions. The detective seated himself at the foot of the sick woman's bed and mechanically laid the revolver beside him. But scarcely had he done so than he sprang up. Upon the sheet was a tiny red speck left by the muzzle of the weapon. Ah, that's very instructive, he cried. And as the others crowded round puzzled, Juve added, Don't you see? The murderer ran his finger along the barrel to steady his aim. And as the barrel is very short, the bullet grazed the tip of his finger, which extended slightly beyond it. If I find anyone in the hospital with a wounded finger, I've got the murderer. Gentlemen, I'm going to ask the director to issue orders for everyone within the hospital gates to pass before me. I reckon that in two hours at most, the culprit will no longer be at large. The attempted murder happened at three o'clock. About six o'clock, those who had first been examined by Juve had received permission to leave the hospital and were beginning to depart. With a careless step, Dr. Shallock made for the exit by which he issued every evening from La Raboisière. As he was about to pass out, a police inspector barred his way. Excuse me, sir, have you a pass? A pass? Yes, sir. No one is allowed to leave today without a pass from Monsieur Juve. The doctor looked at his watch. The deuce, he said. I'm late as it is. Where am I to get this pass? You must ask Monsieur Juve himself for it. He is in the director's private room. All right, I'll go there. And Dr. Shallock retraced his steps. End of chapter 7